0: Father, your arms are open toward us, always inviting us into a relationship with you through your son, Jesus, who died for us, that we can come freely and fully accepted, God, as your children. Oh, the blessing is beyond measure and even understanding, God, but we're thankful that we've seen enough to turn our lives over to you. Show us more today now of the greatness and the beauty of your son. Father, thank you for your scriptures that come to us now and speak to us truth in a dark world that tells us all kinds of lies. Let us hear from them now this morning. Guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Risen Life. So good to see all of you. This is an exciting day. Like, there's a reason why we've got this tub set up, right? There's going to be six of us baptized this morning here at the close of the service and that is exciting, just a picture of changed life. God is changing lives among us, and it is really a good day. And he's adding new life in other ways. Do we have a picture of a baby back there somewhere? Can we throw one up there? There it is. That one is Mary and mine, the grandchild from Los Angeles. So that's little Landon. So we're excited for him. God is so good to us, yeah. Born a week ago Saturday. So we, we enjoy children, you know, and we enjoy birth, spiritual birth that we celebrate and baptism and physical birth and babies and children growing up, and, and we have children's events throughout the year. We got Trunk or Treat coming up. Now, that may sound like kind of like a, you know, a pretty low-key event, but you realize that a lot of neighbors come in here and then just kind of get candy, Right? It's a chance for us to love on people and be a blessing. And so come be a part of that. And we need people that will just come with a trunk of candy. That's not difficult. And open it up and say hi to the kids as they come by, right? Can we have a few more of you to do that? We need a few more trunks for that. Okay, that's the 21st of um, October. So that's two weeks from yesterday. And then for those of you who are new to Risen Life, and many of you are, Uh, we would invite you to come to Discovering Risen Life. It's a little luncheon that we put on following the service uh, where we introduce you to what we're about, our vision, our direction, let you meet some of the staff and a little bit of how you can get connected here at Risen Life and uh, find out how to be a part of our church family. And that's October 29th, so that's uh, about three weeks out well, we're really big on teaching the Bible here. This is sort of our secret. Like, we try not to let anybody know much about that, but I um, you hope you know I'm joking. But uh, well, we teach the Bible, and we work through it book by book generally, and we're in a Hebrews series right now. So if you want to turn to Hebrews or on your phone, or if you have the U version app, we put those verses out on, on uh, Saturday afternoon. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3, and it's really a great text to lead us to baptism, actually. So, I, you know, God orchestrates all kinds of things that we don't even know He's doing. And uh, we've been talking about how Hebrews is, is presenting to us the person of Jesus Christ as greater than and better than anything the world possibly can offer. And we see this again in chapter 3, where Jesus is greater than. And look at the verse 1. It says, therefore, holy brothers. Now, who's this written to? It's written to Christians, right? And by the way, Christians, you're called to be holy, right? Let's go, right? Let's be a people that walk in the grace of Christ as godly people. It's written to Christians, you who share in a heavenly calling. So this is what we are as Christians. We are moving toward a final place of rest we will see today uh, that is perfect with God forever he is taking us back the whole story of the Bible is that we rebelled against God in the garden we were thrown out of the garden and out of his presence and God is spending the rest of the Bible getting us back into his presence through the person of Jesus Christ to someday actually be in his presence forever this is the storyline of the Bible And here's what we're to do as Christians as much as anything else. Consider Jesus, right? Jesus is greater. We're to consider him. We're to look to him. We're to put our eyes on him. He is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. The apostle means messenger or the one that is out in the point leading the way to a change and he is the one who came and introduced God's love and forgiveness through his own sacrifice, through his own priestly, high priestly function. High priests would sacrifice animals for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus came as a high priest, and he, he was self-sacrificed himself for us that so we could come into the Father as sinful people. And we are now to confess this. It says, we'll see this with our baptized people today. They will confess personal faith in Jesus. So we're going to set our eyes on him, church family. You're not going to get too far off the path you keep your eyes on Jesus. I love Hebrews 12 too. It's a theme that works its way through this whole book. Looking to Jesus or setting our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're to look to Jesus. We're to set our eyes on on Jesus, We actually, Mary and I, had a surprise visit by a couple of cousins of mine who are now in their 70s, and I was the youngest of the cousins in our family, and, and uh, they were talking about this uncle, uh, Uncle Helgi. All, all of my grandparents and uncles came from Sweden here, and, uh, and he said to this cousin, Sue, he said, here's what I want you to do the rest of your life. He was moving toward his last days. He said, I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus. And she goes, that has stuck with me my whole life. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Isn't that a sweet thing? So that's what we're to do. Now, there's a reason why we're to keep our eyes on Jesus, and that's because he's greater than everything else, greater than everybody else. And we see that in the text, that today he's being compared to Moses. Isn't that interesting? Now, he's compared to Moses because Moses was considered to be the greatest of men in the Jewish community. And so here it is. Look at this, verse 2. Who So you got the house, it's being pictured here, Moses is part of the house, and then there's a builder of the house, and the builder of the house is Jesus, (laughs) right? And so he's greater than the house, that's the picture, right? As the builder of the house, we saw in Hebrews 1 that the world was created through him, it says in 1 Peter 2, 4-6 to 6, that we are a spiritual house being built up, and all of us are living stones being constructed together. We become a kingdom of priests, which means we are worshipers, and we invite others to come and be worshipers of Jesus. And it says that house has a cornerstone, it has a foundation, and that person is Jesus. And so Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses is a part of the house, but Jesus is the builder of the house. Then it says in verse 5, now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. See, Moses is part of the house and he's speaking of Jesus yet to come in his life and his words pointing us that way. Verse 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, right? Right? So Moses is a servant in the house, but Jesus is a son. And he and as a son, you're an heir. That means you own the house. That house is yours. So we are his possession, purchased by his blood. Moses serves with us. It's our day to be serving. But Jesus owns the house, but through his own blood. Then it says... <clears throat> We are his house if we hold fast, this is verse 6, to our confidence and our boasting in hope. So so what's our confidence here? What are we holding? What's the hope of of the confidence that we have? It's that God will keep his promises to us. That he will do all that he said he would do. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to continue it to the day of Christ Jesus. Like you, you might have a hold. You do. You, I mean, if you believe, you have a hold of Jesus. But know this. He way more has a hold of you. <laughs> and he isn't going to let you go. Even when you kind of let him go, right? When we're not faithful, Timothy says, he is faithful to us and holds on to us. And in Colossians one twenty-two, it says he will present us perfect and holy and blame us one day before God the Father. But it also says we're going to hold on to our boast. Boasting is an interesting word that shows up in the scriptures. And Paul talks about boasting. And he says, here's what we should do with our boasting. We should boast only in the cross of Christ. Isn't that interesting? And it's because every good thing that we have, every blessing we have in our lives comes only through the cross of Christ. Without the cross of Christ, we deserve nothing but death and wrath. But Jesus took that death and wrath and the cross, and now we get nothing but mercy and blessing and grace. That's all you get. You don't get wrath. Jesus took it. You get blessing. Do you, you recognize this as you live your life? This heart that's beating in your chest, you don't deserve that today. But his mercy and grace gladly gives it to you because Jesus took the curse of our sin. We were sitting at Olive Garden this past week with a good friend. And uh, I I just kind of stopped. It kind of just hit me. Because we were talking about Jesus and and, and things that he's doing in our life and working at things. and, And I thought, you know, like here I am. I don't even think about this. I'm sitting here eating this amazing lunch with a great friend and just enjoying life. That was bought by the cross of Christ. The beautiful colors in the mountains as you drive up there. and Look at those. I hope you do if you haven't done it. I mean, this is bought to us. The freedom to live and to enjoy is bought with the blood of Christ. We don't deserve it. But he set us free to enjoy it because of what he did. And we're to praise him and give thanks to him for all that he has done. Family and sports and friends and church All these things are gifts bought through the cross of Christ. So we boast in the cross, not in ourselves as if we somehow earned or deserved any of those blessings. So Jesus is greater. But second of all, this text moves on and tells us we should trust him. Because he's greater, put your hope in him. Put your faith in him. Don't neglect this. Be people of faith. Look at verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, now the Holy Spirit's going to speak here. Okay, this is an interesting word. A lot of times we see God speaking, Jesus speaking, but now the Holy Spirit's going to say some things here. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. We're picturing the Jewish people here wandering in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for... 40 years. Does it, does it seem incredible to you as you think about this story that, that, that the writer of Hebrews is telling us about that these Hebrew people were, were brought out of Egypt into the desert? Right? And, I mean, there was no shortage of miracles that got them free out of Egypt, Right? And then they, then they come to the Red Sea, and it looks really grim there for a moment. Like, how are we going to get across? And here comes Pharaoh's armies. And what does God do? Parts the sea. <laughs> and they walk through, and then the water caves in on them, and all the enemies are destroyed. And then they get out into the desert, and God provides for them fire at night to keep them warm, and clouds in the day to keep them shaded. He provides miraculous food and water. I mean, he does all of this. And they keep on rebelling. Does that surprise you? Like, I want to think I would have been better than that. Right? If I saw all of that and experienced all of that, I would have gone, well, I think maybe there's something going on here. There's like there's a God present with us. But they don't. And the writer is saying, look it, don't harden your hearts like those people. Use them as An example, and by the way, it does say a lot about us as humanity because we know, like we may not have been different. We know this. How hard our hearts are and how dark our hearts can be and how evil they can be to not believe. It says in verse 19 of this text that it was really caused by unbelief. And this is why this warning is being given now because Now we're talking about a a risen Savior. Like, you got a heart that isn't wise enough or good enough to turn to God with all those miracles? You need a heart change. You need a heart transplant. You need something brand new. And that's why Jesus came. That's what we'll celebrate in baptism here today, that Jesus came. And we are now to not turn our back on him. He lived a perfect life. He healed the sick. He raised the dead, showed compassion in our brokenness. And we're to see his love and his graciousness and his compassion and give our lives to him. And he says, You'll give us a brand new heart. And this is what the Holy Spirit does today. This is why the Holy Spirit is speaking. What does the Holy Spirit do primarily? Class, what does he do? Points to Jesus. Like, right, there's Jesus. Look to Jesus. Consider Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing as a way to walk in the Father's blessing as his children. And so the Holy Spirit is always knocking on our door. Turn to Jesus. Look to him. Be a worshiper of him. Now, all this text, if you notice, you kind of see it's it's poetic. Um, You'll see the kind of the, the changed indentation in this little section. That means it's grabbed somewhere as poetry, and it's from Psalm 95, which is a great psalm. I encourage you to read it, even memorize it. Fabulous. But it says, let's be worshipers. Let's sing to him. Let's give thanks to him. Let's praise his name. Let's rejoice in him. This is Psalm 95. That worship, you find it this way, it's a feast of the soul. My soul is filled. We are, we are filled as we gather together and sing and enjoy him. Defeat defeats sin in our life. When temptation comes throughout the week, we go, that's nothing compared to worshiping Jesus together. Nothing. But he says, if you harden your heart, if you harden your heart, you won't rest. You'll be restless. You'll never enter my rest. So you have this choice between worshiping Jesus and the feast and the joy of that or rebelling and rejecting him and living restless. We know this. Until the heart, this, Augustine's famous for saying this, right? Until we accept Jesus and turn our hearts over to him, our hearts are on a search. They're restless until we give our lives to him. And Jesus himself said this, that you've got to look to me you got to look to me in chapter 6 of John, where he's speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Your heart will be restless. It won't be satisfied. It will always be searching and wandering, just like the people in the desert, until you give your life to Christ and put him at the Sinner, this is what he's saying. And then he says it in this really descriptive way. He says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, verse 53 of chapter 6, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those are strong words. He's saying, unless you find in me your spiritual satisfaction for your soul, you will never truly live. So in verse 66 of chapter 6 of John, he says, and then after this, many of the disciples turned their back and said, I'm not going with him any longer, right? All kinds of people, I'm not doing that. That's too much. So Jesus said to the 12, his disciples, do you want to go away also? Right? Simon Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are you going to turn, people? If you don't turn to Jesus, where are you going to go? Give it a shot. You're just going to wander and be restless until you turn your heart over to Jesus Christ. And the disciples recognize that. Where are we going to go? Like, all right, I get why many are leaving, but where are we going to go? John 1, 12 says it this way so well. He says, he came to his own, the Jewish people, and his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And his arms are open to us to come and give our lives to him and become his child. I was thinking about this little baby Landon, you know, that was born into our family. Born into a family that loves him. Born into a family that feeds him. Born into a family that will introduce him to Jesus. Born into a family that will keep him warm and clean and take care of every need (laughs) as best they can, right? And Jesus said this, if if you as heavenly as you as earthly parents will take care of your kids, imagine a heavenly father and how he'll take care of his kids. Huh? Yeah. You wanna wander out there on your own, taking care of yourself, or do you want to give yourself to a father who loves you? Send his son to die for you so you can have a relationship with him. That's the invitation today. Well, finally, um, In the end of this text, we see this need to care for each other, to care for each other. Look at 12 to 14, back in Hebrews chapter 3. 12 to 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Take care, brothers and sisters, family, that we pay attention to each other to be careful that none of us drifts away. This is what this is saying. Because of our hearts that can be so desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9, we're in danger of leaving. We're in danger of running away. We're in danger of turning our backs on Jesus. Every one of us, we feel this. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We sing in that hymn. And it says it's a deceitfulness of sin. Sin makes promises to us. Oh, this is the way to go. You will be and find happiness if you do this, that God tells us not to do. It lies to us. Sin lies to you. It says, oh, this will be great. Just do it. Give it a shot. You'll be happy you did. It lies to you. It's deceitful. This is why we have each other, right? Because we see this with each other. Friends, family, together, brothers and sisters, husbands, wives, children, you're going off the track. (laughs) Satan's lying to you. You're biting on the bait, but it's not going to be good. Don't do it. This is our responsibility. We're to be a family with each other, to live in community, to encourage each other and protect each other and challenge each other daily, daily daily. There should be people in this room or that are in this room at least some of the time that you meet with regularly that encourage you and challenge you and help you get back to center. I, I, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have these people in my life. Kevin has a wicked heart that can be exposed and do really dumb stuff. Don't think I can't do everything that everybody else in this room has done multiple times. i got friends with me bump me back to center and hold me accountable and love me and care for me. Which brings us to today now. We're going to have six people here be baptized. And they're going to declare their faith in Jesus. Isn't that a great thing? Yeah. You don't think there's going to be a war ahead for them? Yeah? You don't think those people are going to need us? They aren't going to make it without us. That's our responsibility. I, I, I thought about having you all stand, and I swear that you'd stand with these people today. I don't know if I'll do that to you. But, but in your heart, will you do that? Will you set aside these six, right? Some of you know them very personally, and everybody knows a few of these. That so you'll stand with them in their journey. This is a defining moment where they're throwing it down. Adults and children, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they are facing a world that is increasingly difficult and is increasingly against God and his ways. And they're going to need us. And there is an enemy out there that wants to devour them as soon as they come out of that water today. And we're to protect them. We're to stand with them and help them stay on a good journey and a path. We all need it, right? I, I know with my own kids who are well into their adulthood, if they didn't have a family like this growing up, they wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't be serving Jesus today. Sunday school teacher after Sunday school teacher, right, Mentor after mentor, people standing with them, bumping them to center. I couldn't say it. I'm dad. Like, I don't listen to dad, right? Sometimes I do. But someone else would say it, and they'd listen. That's who we are to these people. So let's be a a family um, together. Band, you can come on up. So baptism is a family event. I want us to see this and feel this today. It's why we do it as a family. I'm not really crazy about private baptism, so I think there's probably a place for it. The scriptures really don't speak of that. And we do it publicly for the reasons we've just been talking about. One is you get to hear the gospel, right? And there's people in this room that maybe haven't yet accepted Jesus, and they'll hear it today. And you might turn your life over to him because you heard others testify. But it's also so that we hear from the mouths of these people that they want to follow Jesus, so we come around them. This is why we do it together. And baptism is is a picture of us. Jesus commands us to do it, right? Believe and then be baptized as a step of obedience. And that order is important. We put our faith in Jesus and then we're to be baptized. And baptism is a picture. And it's a picture of what has gone on in their hearts. That they have died to their old ways and doing it their own selfish ways and come back to New life in Christ, that's the picture here. And so we're going to celebrate together now, and uh, we're going to enjoy the testimonies of people, uh, and then we're going to pray for them, and then we're going to baptize them, and then we're going to leave here standing with them.